Hello and welcome to episode number 67 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway. Jay, we're going to talk all the big news, all the big bets, all of the things going on in the sports betting industry. Guys, we are on Apple, we are on Google, we are on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, so please go in, subscribe, rate, review. Really appreciate the five-star reviews. Helps us climb up the charts there so more people get exposed to the podcast here. You can find us on the Twitter machine, at the Lions US at PlayPicksUS. Guys, we are coming off of week two here that was fairly interesting in the NFL. There were some... I think maybe some corrections made. I There were a lot of people who were saying, me included, that, ah, you know what, maybe this Bengals team isn't going to suck after all. And then there were a lot of people saying, like, ah, well, certainly this Browns team is is much, much better than we saw in week one. And despite the fact that they went ahead and, and covered a ton, I think that we saw there are still a ton of question marks surrounding this Browns team. So, Brett, before we get into all the big news here, what was what was one of the big takeaways for you from week two? Uh, well, my Buffalo Bills are better than I thought. I honestly did not think they would go back to Jersey and win on the road again. We talked about it on the Circuit Podcast on Friday. I was pretty heavy on the Giants, and they got their doors blown off by Buffalo. This Bills defense could carry them to nine wins. And possibly a playoff berth because on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen continues to learn. He's getting more comfortable each game. Uh, he's making smarter decisions with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, you know, last year he was trying to make something out of nothing, which resulted in turnovers and sacks. And now he's throwing the ball away, making good reads at the line of scrimmage. He's being a quarterback. And they have enough veterans, I think, on this offense. Not a lot of talent, but guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley who can help move the chains uh, just, you know, from their experience and this might be a good football team. I'm going to have to adjust this week. Yeah. As we head into week number three here, Jay, what was something that really kind of stood out for you that you were taking a look at and said, all right, yeah, I'm going to definitely uh, put this in my little holster here moving forward and, and take for real when it, when, when it comes to some of these NFL teams. Well, again, I do a lot of box score analysis and the Cowboy. I'm a little upset I didn't actually lay it. I, I just, I have a habit of not, not, I don't want to lay broad points. And the Cowboy, I did not play the home underdog Redskins last week, but the Cowboys were extremely impressive again. Very balanced, over 200 yards rushing, 474 total yards. And so I had a, I had some emails that come in, and a guy asked me about the, the division there and the Eagles. Uh, he has a bet on the Eagles to win the division and how I could maybe get out of some of that how impressive the Cowboys were. And I basically said, I agreed that the Cowboys are really impressive and they're going to probably be there battling the Eagles. And it is a two team race in that division, but pretty impressed with them. And then I missed a mark on the Bengals as well. I thought they'd come back home and play really well, but you have to be impressed with what San Francisco did going on there, not only winning, but racking up 570 plus yards at over eight yards of play. And, and uh, now they're two and oh. And so they're, a, they're a team that's probably, uh, you want to stay a little undervalued, but they're laying a pretty big price this week against Pittsburgh. So we'll see how the corrections are adjusting. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt we're also seeing history in the making. This is this Dolphins team is all time, you know, right now, you know, you know, from a betting standpoint, they're going to be an all time worst in terms of the, the numbers you're going to see now and moving forward. Somebody asked me, Brett, and maybe I missed something and you guys have something that you feel is a little bit better. And by the time people are listening to this, maybe we have a different opinion of the Jaguars or not, they play on Thursday night football. And so if you're, if you're not catching this until Friday, that game will already be behind us here. But 
someone asked me, are there any of the 0-2 teams that I feel are really undervalued here and that we think that maybe are going to present some value going forward? And I look at these 0-2 teams, Brett, and man, it's real tough. Someone's going to have to convince me that any of these 0-2 teams are just exponentially better than they have shown so far. I look at pretty much all of these teams. I mean, you maybe could make a case, and again, may, we'll, we'll certainly know next a uh, little bit more in the next 24 hours about this Jaguars team, whether Gardner Minshew can actually do anything under center for, for this team. But as far as the 0-2 teams go, man, they all look like varying levels of bad to me. The only one that pops to me is the Steelers, even without Big Ben. They start off at New England and then, you know, the the tough the tough game last week where they you know, they lose Big Ben. They have to throw Mason Rudolph in action. I'm a believer in Rudolph. I think he's going to be fine. So uh, I guess that's the only one I could see still having a shot at the playoffs in a week. AFC, but other than that, yeah, there's not a whole lot here. I, I you know, the one, the one disappointing one is is the Panthers, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, they're just, I guess, they're just bad. Yeah, I mean, again, we'll, hopefully, we'll find something out uh, tonight, and we'll report back on whether we kind of missed the the boat there, Jay. What about these two and O teams here? Um, are there any of them that seem? Fraudulent for the listeners out there as we sit right now. The two and O teams are the Patriots, Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, Cowboys, Packers, and uh, we have three in the NFC West: in the Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks. Are there are there any of these two and O teams that you think are a fraudulent two and O? I think Seattle is probably the they're the most likely to not hold up in that division. I'd say long term, at two and zero, oh, and I, I I want to see a little bit more. I think they're a little bit vulnerable even against the Saints this week with the backup quarterbacks going. So Seattle, um, you know, it showed in their week one. Their statistical profile was pretty poor actually against the Bengals, and they escaped with a win. So I'd say they're the most of that group, but um, I would I, I before the season I definitely did not think the Baltimore Ravens were going to be the strength or win that division. So right now they're sitting on top and with the Steelers quarterback situation and the Bengals probably not being as strong, that's uh, looking good. But I still think the Browns will give them everything by the season's end. Yeah, I um, I think the only one I can kind of point at for me is this 49ers team. Yep. Um, it's yep. really the only 2-0 team for me that I kind of look at here and I say, Look, they've been playing really good defense, and then you kind of look at their at who they've played so far. And I mean, listen, maybe down the road, if this offense for the Bucks can kind of come together, we'll say, ah, well, you know, I mean, they lucky lucky they caught them early in the season. Of course, the the Bucks defense is much better. The the Jay, you talk about you know looking at box scores and stuff. If you just look at box scores for that that season opener against the Bucks, it could be a little misleading there. There were defensive touchdowns all over the place there for the 49ers against that Bucks team, um, and then the Bengals again. I think we overvalued them, Brett. So I mean, for me, I think the two and O team that I'm kind of looking at to come back down to earth here is this 49ers team. Yeah, and I think it could come crashing down this week. 
little teaser there. I was going to say, a little bit of a teaser <laughs> out there for that. Uh, in the sports betting news this week, we got confirmation. We talked about it here on this podcast a few weeks ago, but we did get confirmation from Johnny Avello. He is the sports book director for DraftKings Sportsbook. Long, long, long time bookmaker here in Las Vegas that was able that the DraftKings guys were able to poach away and he has confirmed that they will have the version two of the sports betting national championship it's going to be the first week of December December 6th to 8th uh, the only thing we really don't know is the location, but I imagine that it will be back in Jersey City again. They want to keep it as close to New York as possible so they can get all of those people coming over a uh, real easy trip to play in this thing. But one of the really, really good and, and Brett, I wrote an article actually about this and I joked, I joked with Johnny. I said, you must have read my article whenever he said this, but what, the very first thing that I said was it needed to be earlier in the season. It needed to be on a full slate of NFL games and certainly needed to have some college games available as well and that is exactly what they've done by moving it up to that first week of December you're going to get the college championship games you're going to get a full slate of NFL games of course we will have NBA going as well so I think that appeals also just to the to the more of the layperson right I mean when what we saw last year in the competition was a lot of these guys jumped up the leaderboard betting like golf like european golf and stuff and like weird stuff like to go on because there weren't very many football games to bet on and i think that that might have kept some of the people who might have played this kind of out whenever they look at it and thought that they were definitely at a big disadvantage but now we look at it and there's going to be a full slate of nfl games you have the college games as well you'll have the nba going i think the I think this is something that can only help this contest like exponentially. I think it was the number one best thing they could have done for this thing. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you weren't the only one to provide that feedback. I mean, that was it was like a no brainer, right? I mean, it, it got wild in there. We were there in January, and it, it definitely got wild in there, especially on Sunday as things started, you know, as pressure started building. But there's going to be so much more action this time around with a full weekend of college and NFL games. Only two games on Sunday last year, which, I mean, that's where a lot of the problems that they had. That's where that was created from with, with the payouts. And, and, and look, a lot can be learned from last year, both on the operator side and on the participant side. I mean, you know, DraftKings made it clear last year that grading winners could be an issue if a game goes long. And with only two NFL games on that Sunday, that's that's why those issues were, were so, I mean, they were right in our face. So maybe, you know, spread your action out a little more, reduce the variance a little bit if you're afraid of that happening again. And I think version one was a huge learning experience really for everybody, and that's going to be better this time around. Jay, as we look at this, I imagine uh, maybe maybe it's because I'm in the bubble here. What is your opinion? Do you think that them just moving the dates? Do you think that that is actually a big draw for this contest, or am I just or am I just living kind of like in the bubble here and not really seeing the full picture? Do you think that the casual better? It's e uh, and when I say casual, I don't mean like the guy who's betting twenty bucks a game, but maybe the guy who's playing you know a thousand bucks a week, fifteen hundred bucks a week, something like that. Do you think now this contest becomes much more appealing to that type of player? I think so. I think the schedule definitely moving that up and having that selection of football games is going to be a big draw. And um, that that part in the calendar in early December will be uh, a real plus. So I know they've got to streamline a few things, I'm guessing, just to make the process easier for signups. And those are all tweaks that are, I think, 
not only easier to make but expected. But I think you know, I would think that the numbers and the more exposure of the contest is going to draw more entries and more people. So the definite plus is the move up in the schedule in my mind and having more football games especially. And Brad, I can only imagine here what we'll see is the early and afternoon games for the NFL, and that will be the end of the contest. So it won't include Sunday night football. And and with that, I mean, there's a definitive end to the contest. There's a definitive you know exactly how an, a typical NFL Sunday works, so there can't be any confusion about games overlapping. We understand that that happens regularly, so you have to take that into consideration with your strategy. Yeah. You have to. So, I mean, this isn't really this isn't really anything that people don't experience on a, on a typical NFL Sunday, and so you can't use this excuse of, oh, well, my my you know my 10 a.m. game or well, I say 10 a.m. out on the West Coast, but whatever, my 1 p.m. game didn't get graded in time for my 4:05. And listen, this is a typical NFL Sunday. If you bet the NFL on Sunday, you know exactly how this works. So I think this eliminates a ton of the kind of question marks as well. So just uh, I think a much smoother experience is what we're in for. Yeah, for sure. And everyone remembers what happened last year. So I don't see that happening again. The question is, does the cloud over version one keep people away this time around? I think a lot of people who did play last year were kind of turned off by that experience even though it really was a great i mean the the setup there was awesome i thought they did a really good job the format is so fascinating too it draws in poker players and dfs game theory guys so i mean it it really is a great format but how many people don't come back that would have because of what happened last year yeah and we will certainly find that out because we'll be back out there again this year covering that thing i will be in it. I'll be firing again this year, Brett. If you want to get your 5K ready and chop it with me, we'll uh, we, we can get in together. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll I'll be back out there firing at this thing yet again. I mean, I, I don't even need it to be a million dollars up top. To be honest with you, I mean, it, it turning turning. You know, I, I will not go in 10K myself, so I'll find somebody to chop it with me. So my you know turning 5K into 500K is perfectly fine with me. So I, I don't think they even have to guarantee a million up top for this thing to be you know a, a good success but we shall see i mean i imagine if if they feel they can get the pretty close to the same amount of people they got last year that they will go ahead and guarantee uh that big thing up top so uh a very very interesting and very fun uh deal here live bankroll contest so whatever you turn your 5k bankroll into you get to keep that on top of what you win in the prize pool Brett, let's talk a little bit about this uh interesting story coming out where We've, we were looking through some official documents over there in New Jersey, and something really, really stood out of something that they were had to consider here for uh, making an exception for a bet. Yeah, our colleague Dustin Gawker got the jump on this story after he was tipped off by a, a friendly Twitter follower who sends him uh, interesting nuggets, I guess, from the New Jersey uh, Gaming Commission. Uh, FanDuel filed a petition requesting a waiver on the $5 million cap for bets in New Jersey, which means somebody wanted to place a bet of more than $5 million on the Houston Astros to win the World Series this year, which is, I mean, that's kind of uh, an attention grabber. Like That's something that we were like, hmm, all right, what's going on here? And it looks like it is the same guy who placed a seven-figure bet on the Astros to win the World Series two years ago, hedging against a promotion at his furniture store. This guy's name is Jim Mattress Mac 
McIlvale, Mackingvale. He is a furniture retail in in Houston, and uh, apparently this is a thing that he does. He offers these insane promos at his store where you know Houston Astros winning the the World Series, and here we are again. They are the favorites to win the World Series, and this looks like it's just a hedge against his promo at his store, which is just <laughs> an insane story. Oh, uh, uh, Jay, we got in the wrong business, man. <laughs> this guy's selling mattresses and trying to make $5 million bets. Like, we, we got in the wrong business. I, I should have been in a mattress. <laughs> I always drive by these friggin' standalone mattress stores, and I always say to myself, how in the hell are these standalone mattress stores just like, how do they stay in business? You, you keep a mattress for like a decade, but apparently the, maybe the markup is just absolutely absurd. I don't know what it is, but I, I mean, I, I guess we just we should have sold mattresses, Jay. He stuck a lot of money under those mattresses <laughs> along the way, it appears. But uh, that's a good scoop and a good story. It's interesting to hear that uh, it's coming from FanDuel that someone wants to extend the limit and put a little bit more out there. So that's pretty cool. All right, let's head into NFL Week 3 here. Jay, I want to start with you. And we had to deal with this a little bit last week. And now we have two different situations uh, with it this week. I told you guys that I needed a full three touchdowns before I would even consider the uh, Miami Dolphins. Brett's donkey ass made us put it on our <laughs> Circa card uh, at 18 and a half. Of course, we got destroyed on on that bet there. Um, here we have two different 22 point plus spreads heading into, you know, as we sit here on Thursday uh, Jay, does does your opinion change on any of these, or are you still kind of? Is this just like let's sit back and I'm not even going to say enjoy the games because you're not going to enjoy these games either. It's just a, a completely 100% stay away situation. Yeah, last week I I did not come in and ultimately bet on the Dolphins last week. I talked it. I I thought I'd play it, but I just now that I I see even more, they're they are going to be very difficult. And it's a unique situation with what's going on in there and trading away the best players here at the start of the season and um, not tanking, but you know they're going to play, but they're just outmanned terribly. So that one, um, I, I I actually I, I'm actually a little surprised that that line's not higher. The Dallas being favored is not higher than the. Patriots line so I am I do have an interest this week in the Jets regardless of a third quarterback now playing I think Luke Falk's going to be fine and he might be a he could be a find for uh, the team you know he was with Gase last year at Miami and now uh, we'll take over here Um, this line was on the look ahead was 14 and a half at I think open 17 and a half, maybe 19 in some places have been steamed up. And that's a quite a reaction to what's going on here the first few weeks. But I think uh, the Jets, you know, they're going to get the ball a lot in the hands here of um, the running back, Levy and Bell. And I think maybe they try to slow it down. I think the under is probably a better play than that. But as far as these lines go, they're really I, there's stuff out there now that this is what the first time in many, many years since maybe the strike season in the 80s. But certainly before that, the late 70s, where there's been two games lying 20 points or higher in the same week. And it's very rare. But um, I'm my reaction is maybe a little overreaction, especially to the Patriots line. Brett, as we sit right now, it is Patriots minus 22 at William Hill in New Jersey. They are 22 and a half at DraftKings over in New Jersey. When we look across the market here in Las Vegas, 22s and 22 and a halfs. There is one 23 out there as well. Do you have any – are you going back to the well with one of these plays this week? Uh, the other one that, that Jay talked about. 
is the Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys. That is 21 and a half, 22 across Vegas. There is one 23 out there at Caesars. So Dallas minus 23 on that one. 21 and a half over at DraftKings in New Jersey. And we're looking at, let's see here, looking at 22 over at uh, uh, 22 over at William Hill in New Jersey. Do any of these blow your skirt up? No, I mean, I, I learned my lesson last week with the Dolphins, so I'm staying away. The one thing I didn't factor enough into my capping with Miami was negative game script. Ryan Fitzpatrick turning the ball over and not even giving the Dolphins a chance to cover. Uh, and especially against a disciplined defense like the Patriots, who are, I mean, there's there's no team can, that's going to be more prepared for Ryan Fitzpatrick than than New England. So I mean, the the defensive the defensive turnovers or the defensive touchdowns you can't you can't cap though you can't you know price those into your capping, but they're they're more possible with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I mean, that's definitely something to consider. The teams can score multiple ways against Miami, and the other game. I just I, it's, it has to be a stay away. I, I haven't seen enough out of the Jets yet, and this Cowboys team looks really good. We talked about it last week. They were the most impressive team in Week One. Uh, started slow in Week Two, but really poured it on. I mean, they're throwing the football around. Dak looks like an MVP candidate, which is insane to me. But they're doing it, and they 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 look for real. So I'm not surprised by either of these lines. And like Jay said, I'm not. I'm I'm a little shocked that that line isn't higher. Jay, I talked to. A few different bookmakers here in Las Vegas this week, um, Johnny Velo actually being one of them. I talked to a couple of other guys around town and their biggest challenge right now is they said they don't know if they can price this Dolphins team high enough to get any action on these. Uh, he, he said, you know, listen, we thought we would get once you get up to like 22, 23, you thought you they thought they would even get some just donkeys throwing it in a teaser where it's like, OK, it's up over four touchdowns. You know, like, I mean, it, can, can it possibly be over four touchdowns? And they're not seeing any, even any action on that part. Now, we are sitting here Thursday. There's still a few days for that type of stuff to roll in here. But they're, they're literally wondering if they can throw a number big enough on this Dolphins team to draw any sort of significant action. Well, they're definitely juicing it up here, and it may not be enough, but there's no doubt it's juiced. And I, I, I actually talked to Nick Bogdanovich uh, this week, and he's the head of trading at William Hill. And, you know, it was insane, he had said, the amount of bets and the amount of money really coming in. But mo the, the, the bets that were coming in on the one-sidedness last week with um, New England at Miami, even laying that price on the road. And they easily get there. So those betters are going to come back, are cashing in on the Patriots. They're going to keep rolling it and bet them again. So they, you just have to know that the line makers got to set the line high enough to try to get some action on the opponent. And this week it's the Jets. And I think they've they've met their match this week. And, and that's the great equalizer. Miami is the point spread, but Miami certainly, again, I think terribly outmanned. And the Jets... Uh, maybe a, a reaction to not a good spot coming off Monday night, but they didn't look good. They didn't play well, but they're better than they showed. And um, 
you know, not not a, not a quality team in, by <laughs> any stretch, and that's why we're seeing the numbers where it's at. But I think it's a lot of reaction to what people are doing with the Patriots and the domination, and and the fact they got money on them, and they're going to keep riding it. NFL Week Three is going to look very very different here as you kind of go down the card here, and you see some of these spreads, guys. You're probably wondering what in the hell is going on here. But when you really take a look at everything that's going on, you you fully start to understand. I mean, Drew Brees obviously out. In comes Teddy Bridgewater. Ben Roethlisberger out. In comes Mason Rudolph. Eli Manning benched. In comes Daniel Jones. Of course, we talked about with the Jets, Darnold and Simeon. Here comes Luke Falk. Cam Newton looks like he is not going to play. That game actually got pulled off the board last night, then reposted with the Cardinals as a favorite in that game. Kyle Allen under center for the Panthers. The top two wide receiving options for the Eagles, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, both out. Now you're talking about Mac Hollins and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to go along with can't catch a ball Nelson Aguilar, and that's who the Eagles are going to have to deal with. One of the last talented players in Miami got traded away. Minka Fitzpatrick is now on the Steelers. You have Xavier Woods for Dallas, who is, you know, we talk about how much we love this Dallas, Dallas team. Xavier Woods is uh, injured on the last series of the game against the Redskins. And in comes a guy, Darius Th- Darian Thompson, who's been mainly just a special teams player there for Dallas. And uh, the, the, the knocks ha- came with Dallas yet again. Michael Gallup out two to four weeks with a meniscus injury. So they're going to have to turn to Devin Smith on the outside for them. You've seen Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup with a really, really good connection here early in the season. And then listen, the, even the even the overwhelming Super Bowl favorites in the Patriots are not immune to everything that's going on. Their starting left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, placed on IR for them. So, Brett, we look at this just laundry list of high-impact either injuries or trades or, or people that are not going to be out there for these teams this week. And, I mean, the NFL, this week in the NFL especially, could be really wonky, could be pretty wild. Well, first of all, I, I don't know how the Patriots do it, man. They just churn undrafted linemen into pro bowlers. So I, I don't I'm not that worried about Isaiah Wayne. They didn't have him last year either. Uh, the Andrews injury early in the year was, was a bigger one to me. They're center, um, but they, they look just fine. Uh, yeah, a lot of interesting spots this week. And these some of these are spots that I circle every year. Uh, the market overreaction to starting quarterbacks is almost always inflated. So I, I look at these as great opportunities to pounce on lines that are uh, possibly a point or two off because the public is just fading these backup quarterbacks when, you know, in reality, I mean, how many points are some of these quarterbacks worth? I mean, Ben, ben Roethlisberger over Mason Rudolph, how many points is Ben Roethlisberger worth given how horrible he's looked, especially early in the season, even going back to late last season? Yeah, I mean, I guess my my biggest thing here, and, and Jay, I'm interested in your thoughts here and see if you agree. My biggest, I think the, the, the biggest thing here for me is I completely actually agree with um with a couple of of the moves here i mean listen the the giants and the bucks i mean going from that line really didn't even uh move all that much and i think yeah i think that the people look and say you know daniel jones to eli manning daniel jones i don't think that's a big deal here i think the biggest overreaction for me is this panthers and cardinals line because what we saw from cam newton here early in this season is the most inaccurate passer 
in all of the NFL through two weeks. Also, Cam Newton has not been Cam Newton because of that injured foot. I, yeah, Ron Rivera stood on that podium and said, no, I had nothing to do with his foot. And then now it looks like the guy's not going to play because of that foot when we were sitting there questioning these play calls. And he's like, oh, no, he's fine. It has nothing to do with the foot. And of course, of course, it was the foot. We all knew it was the foot. And then also to go along with what looks like a shoulder that has not completely healed either from last season. I don't know if going to Cal Allen is really that big of a drop off for this Panthers team here to absolutely flip this on its head. Cardinals now two and a half point favorites over this Panthers team. (laughs) Who would have thought that weeks ago? But um, there's no question that Cam Newton was not right and not healthy. And you can just look at it. Forget the passing and the inaccuracy because he's had that issue through his career. He's not been a real accurate passer, but he has not run the ball at all. And I'm talking about attempts. He's, he's hurting and his foot's bothering him. So he wasn't taking off and running and giving that dimension to the Panthers. I, I think one of the things that is, it's interesting is to see how how does the team react when they lose a, a key guy and a big, a big player. The Saints, I think, is, is a huge huge loss from what we saw and really what I expect Teddy Bridgewater is not the answer there but they might even go you know with their other option at quarterback and mix and match a couple of them this week but the the Newton one is how are the Panthers going to take that I mean he's been their leader and now they're going to a really unknown you know Kyle Allen who I guess beat out Kyler Murray at Texas A&M is that right when he was at <laughs> playing yeah. quarterback there initially but I I don't know the, the 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 thought of all of these changes at quarterbacks this early in the season to me is a concern for the, the league they're losing some of their star players and the teams but also um, y- when you're betting you know you don't have to bet all these games and you don't have to um, play these games where there's a lot of injuries and there's question marks and that's why in-game betting I think is so interesting because you can kind of see what's happening and developing and how the players are are maybe adjusting in their new roles as, as backups taking the starters role and make those decisions but um, if you didn't notice one comment I'll make from last week that is impacting the betting market is the totals and that is just three of 16 games um, went over the total last week scoring was down to 38.6 points per game and we've seen um, we've seen holding penalties which is a big part of what's happening they're really enforcing the holding penalties it's up significantly through two weeks from a year ago and maybe that's something more to focus your attention on and who's going to have the ability to get the ground yards when they need it and who's going to have the ability to make the shorter passes and complete keep the change moving because we're seeing a lot more penalties that obviously impacted scoring quite a bit in week two such an important thing to watch going forward that that more than just about anything is how officiating uh, rules have changed and, and how that impacts totals that's huge so brett you mentioned uh, about mason rudolph let's touch on a couple of these other spots here uh thoughts on daniel jones thoughts on teddy bridgewater these two guys taking over for their teams well, first, Kyle Allen. I I like Kyle Allen. I thought he looked pretty good late last year. I remember scooping up this same spot last year with the Panthers after Cam looked terrible then with his shoulder injury, and the market overreacted back then too. So I, I, I like the spot a lot for the Panthers this week. And uh, if there is one game I, I'm looking to fade this, it's going to be – the Saints, I think what Drew Brees brings to that offense, even though they have not, I mean, they don't throw the ball downfield. It's 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 all short passes, intermediate passes with the Saints. So I don't see it a whole lot changing there. But the way he calls plays at the line of scrimmage and, and reads defenses cannot be uh, underestimated. And I don't see that out of Teddy Bridgewater. So I think there's a pretty significant drop off there. And I think the market may actually be short 
uh, on that one. So yeah, uh, definitely. I, I I definitely, like Seattle on that defi- yeah. definitely a spot where I like well like, where I like Seattle. So you guys might have already seen this, but if not, here's a pop quiz for you. Last starting quarterback for the Saints, not named Drew Brees, to win a game for them. Ah, <sighs> Bobby A. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Could be <laughs> November twenty seventh, two thousand five. Aaron Brooks. Wow. Aaron Brooks, yeah. November 27, 2005. So if that like you're talking about, Brett, what Drew Brees has meant to this offense and the continuity and the familiarity with everything that's going on. Yeah, it has been since 2005. And a guy that you probably forgot even played in the NFL is the last guy to win a game for the Saints under center, not named Drew Brees here. I think that it's this is a smash spot for the Seahawks. I, I think Teddy Bridgewater, if you guys remember, even before the injury and it was a catastrophic injury for sure. But even before the injury, when he was with the Vikings, he had turned into more of a game manager. It wasn't like he was a guy that was out there making plays or anything. I mean, he was just a guy that kind of like you could stick under center and you knew wouldn't wouldn't really cost you a game, but certainly wasn't going to go win you a game. And he looks like a worse version of that now uh, for this Saints team here. And yeah, I, I, I think this is a pretty good smash spot for for the Seahawks there for sure. Jay, before. We move on to one of your articles that you posted over at um, at the Lions and Play Picks. When we're talking about trends here, are there any other spots that you're kind of all over here? I mean, we've seen some pretty big movement on the the Bills. I mean, this was a, that game opened at four and a half, moved to six after people saw just how terrible the the Bengals looked. I mean, of course, we know that there is a. Uh, pretty big hole at, at playmaker and wide receiver there for the Eagles and the, the Detroit Lions are actually catching six and a half on the road with this Eagles team. I mean, that seems a little bit interesting to me. We've seen the line on the move for the Vikings at home against the Raiders, which we all predicted the Raiders coming back down to earth. And we've seen that line kind of take off from seven, seven and a half all the way up to you can see it as high as nine now in some places out there. So some pretty interesting um, line moves in some of these spots here for these teams. I'll comment about what to kind of watch for and look in in as these lines are released and you're making bets, especially if you're doing some early week betting or want to get involved with teasers. And the reason is a, a line like the Vikings, there's still eight and a half out there and there's certainly some nines hitting the board. But the, part of that movement and adjustment is not only the money coming into the Vikings, but the, the, the bookmakers are going to protect themselves as well against some of these teaser plays that they expect to see. And, and Minnesota certainly at seven and a half, eight and now even eight and a half is uh, I think going to be a popular teaser play back down under three. Uh, when it was seven and a half, you can get them under two. Already and, and, destroyed that one, my friend. That one is yeah. the anchor of a bunch of my plays this week. Sure. Um, I just this Raiders team. I mean, look, it's it. I it, I predicted them coming back down to earth. They certainly did come back down to earth. And plus, just this is the beginning of that schedule from hell that we talked about before the season started for the Oakland Raiders here. And I think uh, with with what the Vikings defense brings to the table here, if they can't win that game by a field goal if Kirk Cousins can't find a way to win this game by a field goal then they have some serious serious problems up there in Minnesota 
Yeah. And so, again, those are things to look for. And same with the Packers. I know, you know, I, I played both of those. I teased both of those down. And those are things to look for when you're evaluating the lines and then looking not only at the look ahead, but where you anticipate some of these going. And I don't think there's going to be enough. Dis- you're going to hear all about the quarterbacks and all the changes there. But what you discussed early in this program is a lot of the injuries that start to happen and on the defensive side and what's happening with the Eagles has to be addressed and understood. And I think the, the sharp side may be looking at Detroit on, on, on some of that play this week as well. But um, there's there's certainly uh, much more adjustment we're going to see in the marketplace. And your comment on the Seattle game uh, with Teddy Bridgewater as well. I play the under on that, and I think that's going to come down a little bit more. Uh, I do think there's going to be some struggles for the Saints. They're going to probably go to the ground a lot more. And yet if they don't have that element of the passing game, Seattle will you know, stack the box. And I think you're going to see some scoring str- struggles. On, and the Saints defense certainly is capable of keeping that within range as well. Uh, Brett, real quick before we uh, before we move on, we do have legal sports betting over in New Jersey. We're going to have a lot of people who are listening to this that are Giants fans. Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, I mean, push at best. I mean, it's certainly not a downgrade, right? I that you know I, I don't know I, I haven't seen enough out of Daniel Jones I didn't watch a single of his college games I can't say I sit down and watch Duke football right, right. every week so I don't I really don't know what this kid is I mean we we saw him torch some of these preseason defenses but what does that mean so I, I really have no idea this is a complete stay away from me until I actually see it I, I will say though it's going to be interesting to see how the team responds to him versus Eli. I mean, that locker room has, it's been so stale for years, right? They're just not doing anything. It's just been the same year after year. And now they got this rookie quarterback in who could be the future. So we'll see. This line is the one that I'm going to pay the most attention to as we head into the weekend over in Jersey. And it's strictly for learning purposes here because I'm, I do want to see if as we get closer to kickoff, if this thing starts to trickle down because the fan base over there for the Giants is just so pumped up that they actually are having, you know, someone else under center here. They get Danny Dimes under center and it's going to be so much better than Eli and and all that. Jay, I'm actually curious to see how this line moves and see if the if the if the regional bias comes into play in this one, because, you know, I mean, listen, we've seen it before. We saw it a bunch last year. We haven't seen a ton of it so far this year, only through two weeks. But uh, wouldn't surprise me if Giants money starts coming in strictly on the casual better, feeling pretty good about their new quarterback. The Giants this week, I know the, the, they maybe there's some regional bias, but uh, they're going to be a, uh, I think, a popular play out there as well. And right now they're sitting at six and a half, and I know uh, nearly sixty percent of the market um, on a number of offshore locations that track this are are supporting the Giants. So if you like them, I don't think you're going to see a seven and uh, may certainly close at six. But the one interesting note about that game is that there's a large support pushing 80% of the tickets are coming on the under in that game. So maybe that's the impact that they're seeing with the quarterback, not expecting Daniel Jones to do too well in his opener, but that's uh, where that game's lining up and got some trends, things we can talk about as well as, and one of them I commented on in the article was about this Giants team and their uh, history against the Buccaneers. Absolutely. Perfect segue into this as You guys know uh, we're going to let Jay talk about some trends here. I'll give you my personal opinion. I think trends are complete garbage. I hate them. I think it's uh, the worst thing ever to uh, use in your handicapping. But that is just one man's opinion. There are a lot of people who have found ways to use them and I think maybe use them properly. Uh, Brett, I think you go to them on occasion. I... um, 
I would like Rarely. to light. I would like to light them all on fire and and shoot them with a bow and arrow into the sun, essentially. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, th- I think there are situational trends that carry weight over a big sample. So, you know, things like weather trends and totals. Uh, certain teams coming off. Certain teams or coaches coming off buys. Trends, you know, trends that involve the way the market moves off a win or a loss. That's the stuff I'm looking at. Uh, maybe you can forecast the way a line is going to move based on a team's most recent win or loss and how the public is going to react. But, I mean, these numbers, I guess you could say these numbers open your eyes to things that you could look at from week to week, but then you have to get granular with each game. That's you can't the, let... It, what you said, it makes the most... It's like market trends I'm okay with. Like, like yeah. market trends I'm okay with. What I'm not okay with is people were literally... There were lazy ass touts out there who were who were literally talking about the reason that the spot was bad for the Bills last week was because it was back to back road games to start the season. And and not even and literally they were just they probably had not even looked at the schedule long enough to understand that it was two road games inside the state of New York and that it was the same stadium that was literally a 20 minute flight from where they from where they are they were familiar with the stadium they were familiar with the locker room it's they just, stayed in the same hotel they stayed like, in the same, the same friggin hotel like and, and there were people who were talking about how this was a bad spot because it was back to back road games for the bills and i'm like are you people insane like <laughs> like like you're you're just spitting out this stupid trend because it was something that you think makes makes you sound smart and it just that type of stuff drives me completely insane but yes market trends i can get with but like little but just stupid arbitrary stuff like that where you're not even looking that to see that the damn team is playing in the same stadium in back-to-back weeks right down the road is just crazy to me yeah you can't just blind bet a trend because it's hit seven of the last eight times over the past four years like there's always context involved so uh yeah we're starting a series over the lines jay's gonna be writing for us uh five trends that you can just throw away five of probably hundreds of trends each week that you can throw away kind of just driving this point home that trends for the most part mean nothing and jay with that let's i'll turn this over to you so i don't have to scream into the microphone anymore (laughs) i'm on your side on all this and if you read you go and read the article we decided to do this because i think there is so much spew out there and so much stuff and it's not to separate what's the good to bad. It's just, I think, to help betters understand that there is so much of this out there. Most of it, a vast majority of it is meaningless. And I point that out in the column that trends don't win games or pay the rent. Um, and most of them, they're, they're useless. And you commented on that. There are a lot of fluff added to the game analysis to try to convince. There's marketers that use these. And we talk a little bit about the touts that use these to kind of sway you or maybe show you why they got a certain system that they've backfitted to fit these perfect situations to get you to buy in on plays. But the reality is most of them don't work and you can go there. There'll be five, one of them's for the Thursday night game. So check that out, but we'll stay, we'll go off of that. And I'll just point out um, one of the, one of these that I found interesting is uh, Dallas and Miami, you know, they don't play much and they're in the uh, separate conferences, but there's a trend out there that says the total has gone under in five of the last six meetings between the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, you'll see a lot of those types of, um, Total trends are just situations of covering a 
small, small sample of games to kind of show you their current form, but that is really meaningless. I mean, these two teams have played twice in the past decade, so what does that matter at all that we're talking going back further? It actually, the trend that's using that goes back as far as 1999. I pointed out that Dan Marino was playing this final season for the Dolphins, so it really doesn't <laughs> matter. And, um, so if you're looking at, wow, you know, let's play the under based on some of those things, that's just ridiculous. But more, more important is to get into the matchups, and you're going to see obviously Dallas take the majority of the bets, but that's, that's one. And the other one, maybe since we were talking about the giants is that uh, the giants are in a seven and one against the spread streak going um, when they play at Tampa Bay in their last eight meetings in Tampa. Well, that one as well, six of the six of those eight games in that trend were more than a decade ago. So they're, they're just completely meaningless, but you'll see some of that fired out. And that trend actually goes back as far as 1991 was the eighth time going back that they played. So they're really meaningless. You want to get into the matchups and certainly this one, um, uh, we, I talked to, that this is getting bet down more on the total people are expecting uh, maybe less scoring. The other thing about a trend like that is, especially a team trend is when you see, uh, you know, you've got a coaching change in, in Tampa Bay, you've got a complete new system. You've got a, a quarterback in his fifth year with Winston, who's uh, learning a little bit new system. He's got a new offensive coordinator that's calling plays, not just Arians. And uh, in this situation, I pointed out that, uh, Winston has also thrown a league-high 61 interceptions since he came into the league, drafted number one overall in 2015. And all that, you just want to get into the mattress. But a trend like the Giants is 7-1 in their last eight times going at Tampa Bay, that's meaningless. Um, it just doesn't matter in today's market at all. Brett, where can they find this article? Is this a play picks or a lines article? This will be at the lines every single week. We'll probably run it Wednesday or Thursday. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll have it, it. It'll be on the site's in time for the Thursday night football game. I know Jay's got one trend uh, to ignore for that one. So um, it'll be a fun one to write every week because uh, we're pretty passionate about it. Uh, we are that you can, you can guarantee that's going to get a retweet for me every single week. I mean, that is good that, <laughs> with, with, with a, like a smiley face emoji, like every, every single week, whenever that happens. So this is, it's, it's such a good example of this industry being in its infancy in the U S so you go on social media and some of these tout sites and even TV shows uh, and they're feeding people this garbage that means Nothing well, because it's low within- hanging fruit, because that stuff is easy to find because a, a computer will just spit that out for you. And it's not it, you don't have to do actual research. You don't have to actually break down games. You don't have to go in and actually see what's going on. It's it's like the the lowest of low hanging fruit. And for whatever reason, well, actually not for whatever reason, because if you're not if you're not kind of in in the know, if you're just jo- Joe Public who's watching Something like that goes, oh, wow, that is uh, that is really good information. And, and I, that that's why we're here. Thank God. If you're listening to this podcast, congratulations to, for making it here. If you make it to the lines to read Jay's article every week, congratulations, because this is all going to be a big time learning experience for for all of these new betters to come in and realize what is actually real and actionable and what is absolute noise. And this is mostly noise. Yeah, you can cherry pick a trend to fit any narrative you want. It's, I mean, every single game and people are doing that because they're lazy and they don't want to do any work. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to try to to help you guys out with that. Love it. Love it. Jay, uh, good luck this week. Brett, good luck this week. Guys, we are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. So please go in and... 
and subscribe, rate and review. Give us the five stars. Tell everybody that this is something they should be listening to. Help us climb the charts here and we can make this thing bigger and better every single year when they, when we go on with this thing. At the Lines US, at PlayPicks US. So you can find me at Matt Brown M2, Jay at Fairway Jay, and you can find Brett at Brett Colson. Guys, good luck this week. If the uh, if the uh, Vikings don't happen to cover a field goal in all these teasers that I have tied to them, I might have to fly to Minnesota and burn that billion dollar stadium down because uh, this is uh, that will be that will ensure that I get buried this week. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it will be a it will be a bloodbath for one uh, Matt Brown. For Jay, for Brett, I'm Matt. See you guys next week.